Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you love us so much that you died for us so that if we accept you as our Savior, you will forgive us and bring us back into relationship with you. We thank you that when we call out, you hear us. There's never a place we could ever go where you are not there. Thank you that you provide and that you guide and direct. We thank you that you are transforming us every day to be more and more like you. Lord, we thank you that you are the creator of all things. That you know us. Lord, there are those who are sick right now, Father, who need your touch. And as as their creator, you know every cell of their body, you can begin to mend it and to heal them. And Lord, and I thank you for doctors, and I pray that you will give them wisdom as they are working with people to heal them. Thank you that you are directing and guiding those who are, are making big decisions every day of their lives. Lord, I pray that you will continue to be with our church and guide our leadership as we continue to move through this process. Lord, we want your best for this church. We want your will to be done. Whatever that is, we want it. Because we want your will in our lives. Above our own. We lay our wills at your feet. We lay who we are at your feet. Make us more like you, we pray. Thank you that, that if that you will bless this time, that you are going to take this time and you are going to use it as we dedicate it to you, as we worship your name and as we look at your word. It is all about you. We thank you. In your holy name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Oh, that was me. Sorry. Making sure my mic was on. Oh, it was you. Okay. It was not me. <laughs> you could have blamed me. You could have let it go. So good to see you. Happy Father's Day, gentlemen. I hope you're having a good day. Thank you very much. Uh, if you will take out your worship folder, there's a few things we want to highlight and to bring your attention to. First of all is next weekend. Next weekend, we are having our Faith Promise Weekend. Uh, we normally do Faith Promise at a different time of the year, but because of COVID, we didn't get to do it last year. And, and now that we can, we're going to do it. So next weekend, we are having John and Vicki Moore come. They are going to come and talk about their ministry, about how God is using them, and what the future looks like for them after we as we're moving out of this pandemic. Uh, if you are interested in coming, we have a picnic dinner on Saturday night at 6 o'clock. It'll be here in the worship center, so you don't have to be outside sweating to death in the heat. Um, but we'd love it if you would buy tickets in advance. So if you will find Linda today or if you or um, Janet, if you are um, able to buy a ticket that would help us know how to plan, uh, you can also Connect us through the church uh, office if you're not able to do it today. Uh, it's $5 a person or $20 for the family. 
come on Saturday night. We'll have a, a little dinner and they're going to come and we're going to interview them and we're going to get to know them and find out about their ministry and things like that. And then following that on Sunday morning, uh, they will be giving us the word. They'll be preaching and speaking to us about what God is doing in their lives. So we're excited about that. You will find in your worship folder a little card that explains Faith Promise to you. Uh, maybe you've never done Faith Promise before or you just need a little refresher. Uh, this gives you an explanation uh, and on Sunday, we are going to be taking a love offering for the Moors. So be praying how God could use you to bless them. That's not a faith promise offering, but you can make a faith promise pledge that you will pay throughout the year on Sunday as well or following Sunday. And that's all explained in this card. So make sure to read through that, okay? Next is uh, we encourage you to pray for our teens this week. Our teenagers, our, our sixth grade through high school, are, are going to be going away to camp this week. Uh, and it's going to be a great time where God is going to really speak to them. Uh, I used to not be super big on camp. I always put a lot more emphasis in our mission trips because, you know, mission trips, that's like a really holy thing to be doing. And then when I was a youth pastor, I went to camp and I took kids to camp and I watched how God transformed kids in a week at camp. And all of a sudden, the light came on that camp is just such a powerful opportunity for our teens. Uh, and so we are excited that we are sending six of our teens to camp, and we, um, we're going to get to watch them and see how God transforms them when they come back. But be praying that they will be receptive and that God will be working in them through this next week. Uh, this Wednesday, for our young families, we are going to be having a little... Um, we're going to have a get-together at Promontory Park, which is down in El Dorado Hills. They have a splash park. And just from 10 to, two, uh, to, 10 to 12, if you have got some kids who want to go and get wet in this heat, um, plan to be there. All right? We're going to be doing that. <laughs> My kids are excited about it. <laughs> they, they love the splash park there. The final thing is BBF. BBF. I have to think about it because I'm so used to saying BBS. This is our VBS program, or VBF, because it's a vacation Bible fun, because it's not school. It's fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, the dates are July 12th through the 16th, and it's in the evening from 6 to 7 p.m. So if, we ha if you have grandkids or you have kids, um, there is a registration form online on our website. Go and sign up your kids or your grandkids. Plan to be here. It's totally free. Also, we need help. The more volunteers we have, the better we can run this program, and and it'll be it'll just go really uh, smooth and and fluid. So if you are at all interested in helping and you're available that those days, uh, please contact Lynn uh, so that we can get you signed up and and sort of get people into place. We're excited a lot about BBF. BBF. I'm gonna get it, Lynn. I'll get it. All right, that is our announcements. Let's move into the Word. If you want to begin turning in your Bibles to page 1, we are going to be at the beginning. All right? So we are starting a series, as Vicki explained to you, uh, uh, about the Bible stories that we learned as little kids or that most people have heard to some degree. And maybe you haven't heard the Bible stories. Maybe you don't know these stories. And so you're going to experience them for the first time over the next several weeks, months. We're not sure. 
There's so many Bible stories. I'm gonna, we're sort of playing it by ear on uh, when I think we've hit the ones we really need to hit. Letting God direct on that. <laughs> but today we're gonna start at the beginning because it's important to start a story at the beginning. To not jump into the middle or the end without understanding where it all started. So we are going to be reading. I know that some of you have already opened your worship folder and you've seen the massive amount of scripture that we printed out on our paper here. We are going to be reading um, two chapters of Genesis. All right. Uh, we will start with the first chapter. Then we're going to talk a little bit about it. Then we'll jump into the second chapter. And after preaching the first service, I might skip a few of the verses in the second chapter because there's a lot of other stuff in there that we're not going to really focus on. So you might get the edited version of the scripture on that one. So, before we start reading, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that the Spirit uses the word to inspire us every day. We can read the same scripture every day and get something new out of it, and we thank you for that. Father, and that is what we are asking for right now. We pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to what your Spirit has for us today from this scripture. This is a very familiar scripture for a lot of us. But Lord, I pray that you will speak to us in a new way than we've heard before. Lord, and I pray that your spirit's power will be in my words because without your power, without you, my words are nothing. They're just words. But with you, they can transform. I thank you for that. Lord, and I pray your will through this time as we dedicate it to you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so I want you to understand that as we're reading, I'm going to read all of it, at least the first chapter, all of it, um, but we're not going to go like verse by verse like I often will do, okay? We are going to do wide swaths today. We're, when you paint a, a picture, so I've been told because I am not an artist, um, you start by by painting big strokes that will be the foundation for what you will paint on top of it. Okay, so we're doing big stro strokes looks today, okay? So let's start. We're going to be in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, those words right there, we know those, we understand those. As soon as we hear the in the beginning, we begin to tell ourselves the story already, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters, and separate water from water. So God made the vault, and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so, God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be, be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and gathered water in, uh, and the gathered water he called seas, and God saw that it was good. He, God, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees, on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit uh, with seed in it according to their kind. And God saw that it was good. 
and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be light in, lights in the vaults of the sky to separate the day and the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark uh, sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light to on the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the, the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with, uh, with which water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the earth, the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, the livestock and the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds and wild and livestock according to their kinds and all creatures that moved along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over every living creature, that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it. They will be your food. And to the, all the beasts of the earth and all the um, birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has life, has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Okay, now we're going to jump to chapter 2, and we're going to read the first three verses. Thus the heavens and the earth were created in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished his work that he, um, he had been doing. On the se so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. All right, we're going to stop there. All right. So, Moses, what? We're not in Exodus. Moses is the one who wrote Genesis. All right? That is what, uh, he's the one who wrote. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Okay? So, as we're going through some stories, understand that Moses is the author of all of them. He's the one who wrote all the stories. Okay? Moses is the author of this story. He's the one who is telling the story to us. But Moses was not an eyewitness to this event. But Moses spent 40 days on the, on the top of Mount Sinai with God himself. 
as God instructed him, taught him, and told him all that he should write down. So the only eyewitness in this story is God. God is giving an eyewitness account of what he did through the creation story. Okay, It's important to understand that. That no one saw all of this happen, so how do we know it? We know it because God told it to us. All right? When I was going through school, I was taught that the creation story was written as a poem. And that, because it is, it's written in verse and, and sequence, and it, it's how it's supposed to be written. But it's because that's how Moses wrote it, so that it was easy to tell the story. But for some reason, that really rocked me, because I took that to mean that, that, that means it wasn't true. And I had to really work through that. They, that's not what they were telling me, but that's how I heard it. It's like how teenagers hear you say one thing, and then that's not what you said to them. That happened to me as I was talking about creation one time, too. When I was a youth pastor, I, uh, I often would have a time where teens could just ask questions, and I would answer as best as I could. And I had a student ask me, his biology teacher was teaching about, crea- uh, about evolution and believed in evolution, but he also claimed to be a Christian. How is that possible? And I made the statement that how you believe the world began doesn't determine your salvation. Your salvation is determined by the fact that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to earth and he died on the cross for your sins, that if you believe in him and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you and thus you are saved. That's how you're saved. How you begin the, how you believe the world began does not factor into your salvation. So, you could believe that, uh, Jesus is your Lord and Savior and be a Christian, but believe that the world was created through evolution. And, and I'm not gonna argue with you about it. I don't agree with that. But it, it, to me, I don't, it doesn't matter to me that that's what you believe. It's okay if that's what you believe. I kind of have a, a little sticker on that, that if, if you believe in evolution, then hopefully you believe God was at the beginning of it and he was the one working through it. That, I can sort of, okay. I don't believe that. But, so I gave that answer and the teenagers, one of the teenagers, heard me say, Pastor Sean does not believe in creation. And I thus had to deal with, um, a parent who came to me and was like, um, what are you teaching our children? And, and I was so grateful to this in hindsight because this parent was an extremely dedicated researcher for the scriptures. He, he dove deep. And so he came to me with a binder of stuff to support the biblical version of creation. And I was like, wow. And I just listened to him, and I heard him, and I said, that's awesome. And then at the end, I said, I completely agree with you. I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. I was, I never said that I didn't believe in this. And, and it was, it was funny, and it was great. But, and I was like, man, I don't have the time to do that kind of research. So it was a benefit for me. Anyway, side note. Teenagers can hear what they want to hear. Everyone does. It's just who we are. Anyway. So when we look at the story of creation, I think it's important to hear and see how it all began. In the beginning, God is there. It doesn't say in the beginning, God was created. He's there already. 
and He creates the heavens and the earth. I want you to think about what it means when you hear heavens. Some people think that that means like the heavenly realm where God exists or where the angels exist. And that might be part of it. But in the ancient world, heavens meant the sky, everything up there, the universe in its vast array. Okay, so we have to think about how many of you have ever been to out past all the light pollution, you've gone out into nature, you've you've gotten away from all the city light, and you've watched and looked at the stars at night. It's amazing, right? I remember, the, I've only done it a couple times in my life. I really love where we live because I can go out of my backyard and there's very limited light pollution outside of the casino lights in my backyard. And, and so I can see lots of stars, and I love it. Uh, and I... But the first time this happened to me, I was at camp, I, ironically enough. I was at camp as a kid. It was my first time at camp. I'd never been to camp before. And we were playing some game at, at night. I think it was a big, giant, run-around-the-forest, capture-the-flag game, which would never fly with insurance today. But it did <laughs> all those years ago. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how many years ago. But before we could start, they sent all of us boys down to the field so that we could, they could set up, or I don't exactly know what all they were doing. I didn't really understand. I, I didn't care either. We just had to be at the field, and we knew we were going to get to play this cool game. And so we're sitting down in this field for a while. And I'm talking to my, my friend who's sitting beside me, and all of a sudden we decided to like just lay down and look up at the sky. Now our camp, this is western Washington. It was removed from the big cities. It was um, out in the woods, and... There was very little light pollution, and it was the very first time I truly saw the Milky Way. And it blew my mind that that was up there. Because I grew up in the city, and I'd never... I mean, you see, like, a star here, 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 and here, but you never see the Milky Way. It blew my mind. So if you've never done that, go out into the woods at night and just look at the sky. It's amazing. you got to get away from light pollution, because it ruins it. We were at a... We went to the Rivercats game last night and um, for Father's Day, and Kyle is, you know, we're talking, and we're talking about um, the game, and, and we said there's going to be fireworks, and it's getting dark, and you know, so they have all these big lights on so you can see the game. And Kyle made some comment to Moira about wanting to see the stars. And she goes, well, you can't see the stars because of the lights. And he goes, well, they should just turn the lights off then so we can see the stars. And in my mind, I'm thinking, even if they turn the lights off, you're not going to see the stars because we're in Sacramento and there's light everywhere. And it was true. They had fireworks at the end of the game. And when the lights were turned off uh, for the fireworks, it was black. There was no starlight. The people who were there in the beginning, when there were no light pollution, at night, the stars would light up the whole area around them. What is a star? A star isn't just a light in the sky, right? We know this from science. It's a ball of gas, gigantic ball of gas that is millions and trillions and gazillions of light years away from us, some of them. I mean, we have, we're part of a galaxy, and our galaxy is part of a, or we're part of a solar system, which is part of a galaxy, and our galaxy is part of billions of other galaxies, all in this thing we call the universe. Okay? God created all of that. All of that. 
And it's recorded in the scriptures when Moses said, in the beginning, God created the heavens. Done. Now, he later creates the stars in, in day four. And he, he, or day five, day four, day four. We just read it. You should know it. Right? He, he says he creates the stars. But think about that. I want you to really try to open your mind up to the vastness of what is happening in this moment. Okay? Now, the earth at the beginning is formless, it says. Think of it as a giant ball of, well, in the scriptures it says water. It says the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. Now in Hebrew, the words here that are describing this are tohu abohu. And what it really means is just un, unleashed chaos. Or, or you could even say evil. And the imagery that we're seeing here with water is meaningful to the ancient people because water was dangerous. It was chaotic. If they lived on the, on the water, like uh, the Mediterranean Sea, they knew that if they went out into the water to go fishing or do whatever, they were doing it at their own risk every single day. Because what could be a calm ocean or calm sea could turn into a nightmare with a storm within minutes. Okay? <coughs> so think about that. Think about God hovering over just this roaring, tumultuous sea. Pure chaos. And then God begins to speak. And He begins to bring order into the chaos. He starts by bringing light. And He separates the light from the darkness. And He calls one day and one night. And then he says, I'm going to separate the very chaotic water in two. And the space in between, they call, he calls it the sky. And then he takes that water that's below the sky and, he, and it's still chaotic and he separates it and he holds the waters in place. And he allows dry land to be. Every time you go to the ocean from now on, Remember that it is God's hand who keeps the oceans from coming onto the shore to, to take you away. Because that's what happened. God put the chaos in place. He put it in order and he said, you stay here. This is an extremely important concept because in two weeks when we look at our next story, God's going to take the order he's putting into place now and he's going to reverse it. And we see how chaotic the world of Noah becomes. All right? That tohu abohu gets released back onto the planet. Okay? So think about that as we're reading this story. All right? So now there's dry land, and then he, he creates vegetation and all of the what will become the food for everything on the planet. And then he creates the sun and the stars and the moon all to govern at different times to give order to time itself through the seasons. Right? I mean, just think about it. I mean, we're only like eight or nine verses into this chapter, and think of all of the different things God has spoken into order. He then begins to create the fish of the sea. And it's so interesting here because 
Moses is very specific in the sense of what God created in the seas. He just says the birds of the air, the creatures that walk on the ground. He talks about how God created every single thing that lives in the sea. What's interesting is, is that there were many civilizations around Moses' time who worshipped giant sea creatures. They called them Leviathan. They said that they were their gods. And Moses is telling the Israelites and anyone else who hears the story that, listen, my God, he created your God. So he's greater than your God. Isn't that cool? Even in this story... Moses is giving theology to who God is in the, in the order of what other pagan cultures called their gods, right? He does the same thing when he talks about land animals. He says God created everything that crawls on the ground. So whatever you worship that crawled on the ground, it was created by my God. Okay? Every day he sees what he's made and he says, it's good. On day six, he creates people. It says he creates them in, he said, let us create something in our image. <clears throat> in our image. That's plural. He didn't say, let me create something in my image. He says in our image. We see the, the theology of the trilogy, the trilogy, that's not the word, the trinity, <laughs> the trinity here. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our image. He said, let us create them, both male and female, in our image. We are the image bearers of God. So he created them. And then he steps back and he looks at the wholeness of everything he did. And he says, this is very good. Very good. And then he rests. Oh, the power. The power of God's Word. He's speaking these things into existence. He says, let there be lights to govern the day. And all of a sudden, that giant vastness that is the sun exists. He says, let the water be teeming with life. And all of a sudden, there are a multitude of fish. Multitudes of animals and trees. He creates order into this world of chaos that even to this day we sometimes see the chaos trying to take over. And God put order in place. Did you know that, that God thought out even like how to make sure we all could breathe every day? Because we are fortunate to live in a place where there's lots of vegetation. You know, veg vegetation is what creates oxygen for us to breathe. We breathe out carbon dioxide. The, ox the plants breathe in our carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen, which we then breathe. We're, by, what's that word, symbiotic in that way? We rely on each other. But some places in our planet don't have a lot of vegetation. So they would be oxygen-deprived because they don't have things producing oxygen for them. So God thought this out and said, I'm going to create wind cycles. Did you know that every wind in the world goes in a pattern? It flows in this arcing plant pattern around the entire planet. It, so everything that is 
being produced in the rainforest, all the oxygen there gets picked up by the, by the winds and blown out all over the world. In the same sense, all the carbon dioxide, all the billions of people who are creating around the world around us, it gets blown into places that need the carbon dioxide like the rainforest. Isn't that just crazy to think that he did that? He did that. All of that, the Bible says he did in six days. Six days. Man. I wish I was out of the Moses continues into chapter 2 here. And we hear a slightly different, not necessarily version, but a different take on, this, on the creation. And we're not going to read all of it. Like I said, I'm going to edit some of it out. We're not going to read the entirety of the rest of chapter 2. But what I like to think chapter 2 is, is it's the zoomed-in version of chapter 1. Chapter 1 gives us the huge picture of the vastness of God's creation. One more thing about God's creation before we move on, because it's just so good. You have to... Did you know that God made the stars sing? Did you know that? If you have ever heard of Louis Giglio, or maybe you haven't heard of him, um, look him up. He's an amazing speaker. He has a video on YouTube, and we're not watching any of it today because it's like a 25-minute video, where he looks at creation and talks about the just the awe-inspiringness of God and who he is. And so what he did, does in this video is he, he talks about the different stars and the different celestial bodies out there. And they don't have voices. They're not like out there going, blah, blah, blah. but every single star gives off a unique frequency. Unique. They don't overlap. And a frequency is basically what sound is. When I am speaking, my voice is projecting frequencies and you're trained to understand my frequencies as words and you understand them. So every celestial thing out there produces a certain frequency. And with specialized telescopes, we can aim a telescope at a star or a, or something else, and we can record what frequency it is pro- projecting out into the solar, into the world or the universe. And so Louis Giglio takes certain, um, frequencies of celestial bodies and he begins to put them down and like, play them and he begins to overlay them and begin to put them together and some some stars produce really slow frequencies so those are like the low notes of a song and other stars have high frequencies so they're really high and he overlays these things and within a minute you begin to recognize song it's a song that we sing Worshiping God. Just blows my mind that God did that. That the very stars themselves are singing about His greatness. We don't hear it. They're still doing it. He hears it. Anyway, moving on. Got a lot of chapters to go still. (laughs) Alright, so chapter 2 is a zoomed in version. And the, the specific thing it's zooming in on is the creation of people. Okay, this is the creation of Adam and Eve, all right? So we are going to jump to 
verse five. We're going to skip verse seven or verse four. I mean, we're going to we're going to look at we'll start at verse five. Now, no shrub had shrub had yet appeared on earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not yet sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Stop there. I want us to begin to picture in your mind what is happening. Genesis 1 shows God speaking. Let there be light. Let there be plants. Let there be fish. Let there be birds. And it's done, 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 instantaneous. And all of a sudden, God slows down and he gets dirty. He comes down to the very earth, to the very dust, the mud, the clay. And with his hands, it says he formed a man. He didn't say, let there be man, and it happened. He formed him exactly how he wanted him to be, in the image of God. And then, man didn't just automatically start living. It says he breathed his life into his nostrils. I am picturing right now God performing CPR on Adam. He's down face to face with Adam, and he is breathing life into his mouth, into his nose. And all of a sudden, Adam is alive. He handcrafted Adam. He made him exactly how he wanted him. In his image. And then the very breath of God entered into him. And it is in each and every one of us. Every breath you breathe in and out is a gift from God because it is his breath you're breathing. Okay, we're going to skip some now because it talks about the Garden of Eden and how it started and, and some river names and things like that. And then he puts Adam into the garden and he begins to bring all of the animals to the, to, um, to Adam because it's not good for Adam to be alone. I'm giving you a paraphrase of these verses here. And Adam names every animal in the world. And whatever he calls that animal, that is what it'll be called. So he saw a platypus and he said, that is a platypus. <laughs> what a weird thing. Anyway, God determined that none of the things that were there were suitable for Adam. A platypus just didn't cut it. And neither did a dog. There you go. Dog's best friend demoted. And so in that, God makes a decision. And so he says, uh, it says, let's see, where are we at? Verse 21. It says, So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place from with the flesh. Then the man made a woman out of the rib he had taken from the man, and he brought her to him to the man. The man said, This now, bone of my bone and flesh of my, my flesh, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. We'll stop there. 
Nothing in creation was suitable for Adam. So God puts Adam to sleep, and he performs surgery. He takes a rib out of Adam's side. He closes up the, the side, and, and he takes from that bone, and he creates woman who will be Eve. And Adam instinctually knows that she is of him and that they are meant to be together. Now, I find it really curious that Moses adds in verse 24. That this is the reason why man leaves his father and mother to be joined with his wife to become one flesh. So we have to think back to the creation. God created man in God's image. Everything that was about God or who God was, his personality, his creativity, his, his whatever, his caring nature, his, his love, his, it was all in Adam. When God took the rib from Adam, what he did was he separated part of his his image from Adam. And he took that image and he formed another person. So, at that moment, Adam was no longer the complete image of God. At the same time, Eve was not the complete image of God either. They were each part of God, part of the image of God. And it's only when man and woman come together in relationship, in a healthy godly relationship that the completeness of God's image is brought back together. Isn't that such an interesting thing to add? So men, you are not perfect. It's Father's Day, but you're not. At the same point, women, you are not perfect. I know. (laughs) But when we come together... We have the ability to become the perfect image of God. And you see it throughout Scripture. You see Scriptures where it talks about God in a motherly form, in, in the way that He takes care of us like a mother chicken who, who takes care of her brood of chicks. We see other images of God's masculine side. We see His fatherly character, His bravery, His courage, all of those things. Not that women don't have those things, but that's the way that he's depicted in the Scripture. We see both sides of God, because God is not man and God is not woman. He is God. He possesses everything. He is He is God. Such an interesting thing, huh? I love that Moses goes from giving this huge, just awe-inspiring picture in Genesis 1. Just the vastness of what God did. And then follows it up in chapter 2 with this intimate picture of God uniquely making both Adam and Eve. Creating humanity. Handcrafting us. And you know what? He didn't stop there. He continues to handcraft people. Every day. The scriptures say that when you were in your mother's womb, He knitted you together. You're God's unique little sweater or scarf or beanie, whatever it is that you think you are. God knitted you together. And you're unique and special to Him. Do you know there are like nearly 8 billion people on the planet? 
and not a single one of them are the same. Every single one of those people have unique fingerprints, unique personalities, and the statistics are staggering when you think about it. But it's because God loved you so much that he made you exactly how you are. He loved people so much that in the busyness of the vastness of creation, I mean, he has got a busy schedule. And he takes time to stop and to play in the mud and make us with love and care and compassion to breathe his very own breath into each and every one of us. That is staggering. And then the next chapter of this story, we mess it all up. We, we sin and we break relationship and ah, oh, things go to just garbage. But you know what? God loves each and every one of us so much that he put into place in chapter three of the Bible. There are so many chapters in the Bible, but in chapter three, he puts into place the beginnings of what will become Jesus Christ coming to save us. He loves us so much that from the very beginning, that's why I called it this, from the very beginning, not in the beginning, but from the very beginning, he loved you so much that he had, had made you And then when we mess up, he came as Jesus to die on the cross for every single mess up we will ever make so that with faith we can come to him and say, forgive me, please, please transform me. And he will. And he brings us back into relationship. with Him. From the beginning, that was the plan. From the beginning, the love of God has been beyond anything that he ever created. Jesus didn't come to die for the plants. He didn't come to die for the animals. He didn't come to die for the stars in the universe. He came to die for you so that you can be forgiven and be in right relationship with him again. Isn't that amazing? That is more awe-inspiring than the fact that God created the vastness of the universe, right? Oh, so good. Man, we're only at the beginning of this story. There's so many more to go. I'm so excited. Anyway, I think I'm going to have to be done there. Well, you pray with me. (laughs) Oh, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your ah, creativity, your love, the fact that you care about us so much that you made each and every one of us. That we are unique and special to you. That you care about our every day. You care about everything we face. You care about whether or not we are in relationship with you. Thank you. We have the opportunity. For those out there who might want to take this as the opportunity to maybe start that relationship or to renew that relationship, Father, I pray that that they will just pray with me. Jesus, we... We take you on your in faith, on your word, that you are the Son of God. We believe that you died and you rose from the dead and that you will forgive us of our sins. Forgive us, please. Transform us, we pray. May we live every day for you as your image bearer. 
trust you. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.